This is episode number 414 with John Gray. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Guess what, my beautiful friend? My fourth book, Comparisonitis, How to Stop Comparing Yourself to Others and Be Genuinely Happy is out right now. Number one, New York Times bestselling author and social media sensation Jay Shetty said, never before has a book been more needed. Future generations will thank Melissa for shining a spotlight on comparisonitis. And multiple New York Times bestselling author Gabby Bernstein said, since Melissa refers to people who have recovered from comparisonitis as unicorns, I suppose that makes this a sort of unicorn training manual. I'm so grateful that such a manual has arrived. It's been infinitely helpful to me. Head to comparisonitis.com or Amazon to get your copy today. We have just had Leo, who's my 15-year-old bonus son, with us for a month. And when he's with us, I love fueling his body with as much nutrients as I possibly can. This is why I love Athletic Greens. Now, every morning when he walks out into the kitchen, there's a large glass of room temperature filtered water with his Athletic Greens, which is his daily all-in-one superfood powder in it. He loves it and I love knowing that not only is he starting his day with hydration and green goodness, but that he's getting any vitamins and minerals that he may be missing in his diet. Best of all, he loves the taste, which is so awesome. And just one scoop contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more. That all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, increase your energy and focus, aid with digestion, and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products, which is perfect for anyone. Another thing I love about Athletic Greens is they continue to obsessively improve this one holistic formula based on the latest research, producing 53 iterations over the last decade. They invest in the most absorbable and natural source of each ingredient and go above and beyond in third-party testing to ensure that their customers continue to receive the highest quality and the best daily nutritional habit on the planet. And it's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, and contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on taste. And right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system by offering you a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase, which means you'll basically never have to buy vitamin D ever again. All you have to do is head to athleticgreens.com forward slash Melissa to get your free year's supply of vitamin D and your five free travel packs today. How awesome is that? (music) 
The incredible John Gray is the author of the most well-known and trusted relationship book of all time. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. If you have not read it, I highly recommend you read it. USA Today listed his book as one of the top 10 most influential books of the last quarter century. In hardcover, it was the number one best-selling book of the 1990s, and his books have been translated into approximately 45 languages in more than 100 countries and continues to be a bestseller. He has written over 20 books, and his Mars and Venus book series has forever changed the way men and women view their relationships. He has helped men and women better understand and respect their differences in both personal and professional relationships. His approach combines specific communication techniques with healthy nutritional choices that create the brain and body chemistry for lasting health, happiness, and romance. He has appeared repeatedly on Oprah, as well as The Dr. Oz Show, Today, CBS, This Morning, Good Morning America, and many more. He has been profiled in Time, Forbes, USA Today, and People. And he was also the subject of a three-hour special hosted by Barbara Walters. This is John's second time on the show. He was on the show back in episode 227. And Nick and I have read Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And it changed our relationship. It was one of the best things that we have ever done for our relationship. And his episode, episode 227, was and is the most downloaded episode of my entire podcast list. So if you haven't listened to it and you want to better understand relationships, go and listen to that episode first and then listen to this one because it'll make so much more sense. This episode, we dive deeper. It is an extension from episode number 222. And this is all about Mars and Venus in the bedroom, which is another one of his books. So this is all about how to take your love to the next level And he shares loads of tips and tricks for the bedroom, which you guys are going to love. If you want to take your relationship to the next level, this episode is for you. Everything that John and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. That's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 414. And now let's get this party started with the incredible John Gray. John, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you back on the show. Your last episode, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, which was episode 227, is the most downloaded episode on my entire show. So I am so excited to have you back, which tells me that people want to be better in their relationships. So I'm so excited to have you back and to be chatting about Mars and Venus in the bedroom today. That's a wonderful topic to have, particularly for you, because I just talked to your husband and he thanked me for the ideas of Men Are From Mars. And he said, you know, now we know each other so much better. We can anticipate, understand each other's needs and it becomes simple. And that's why so many people listen to you is because the two of you have integrated what it means to be a man and a woman in a relationship and love each other outside the bedroom. And I'm so excited to share with you about what's inside the bedroom, because before we dive into understanding men and women's different needs in the bedroom, it's important that we realize outside the bedroom is just as important. So 
Where would you like me to start? First of all, I can say that many of the ideas that we're going to discuss are in my book, Mars, Venus in the Bedroom. And for many couples, it's hard to talk about sex. And people ask me, well, why is it so difficult to talk about sex? We can talk about the groceries. We can talk about the kids. We can talk about planning vacations. Well, there's no topic that's more intimate than sex. And the reason for that is, as you know from our last talk, for men to feel that they're successful is so, so important to bump up their testosterone levels. And testosterone is the hormone has to go much higher for men to feel their strong libido for sex. And for women, it's estrogen. She needs to feel safe and supported and understood. And then her estrogen levels can go up where she can enjoy sex. That causes a sexual response. So we're all human. We get our feelings hurt. Men particularly get their feelings hurt when they feel like I'm doing my best here and it's not good enough. (laughs) And so you feel like you shut down basically. And for women, they feel like I'm opening my heart and how can you ignore me? And that's hurtful to her. And so there's, there's a dynamic there where if a woman says what she would like, for many men, not every man, but it's so common that if she says what she wants or what she likes, a man often hears it as, what, I've been doing it wrong all this time? <laughs> and what I'm doing isn't good enough? And that, it's a very vulnerable thing. And we might say, well, get over it, but it's actually very tender. Kind of like if you're interacting with people, your feelings don't get so hurt. But when you're dancing so close together, it's easy to step on each other's feet. And that's the dynamic of intimacy. And if we go even explore further the sexual intimacy, we see it's a place where, you know, we can have conversations. We sort of are undressing mentally. We can share our feelings. We're undressing emotionally. But sex is undressing physically. And we don't do that with a lot of people. So we're even more vulnerable at that time. And even more important, sex needs to nurture our vulnerability. And so we need to also define vulnerability because often people think, oh, well, you're crying and that's vulnerable. And that is vulnerable. But ultimately what vulnerability is, it's an attitude. It's an opening that says, I'm letting you affect me. I'm letting you touch me in a way that affects me. So that's why when people are hurt, we say they're vulnerable. But when we're happy, we're vulnerable. When we're ecstatic, we're vulnerable. We're opening wide up. And sex can open us up more than anything because but there's, there's, I think it's uh, 10,000 nerve endings that go to a woman's clitoris. There's 5,000 nerve endings that go to a man's penis. More than anywhere in the body do we have those, it's like a spot that can create so much pleasure. And why is that so important in relationships is because ultimately what we want to experience is to connect with each other through our feelings. and if you're feeling pleasure, you feel more. If you don't feel pleasure, you tend to resist your feelings. We tend to pull away. But nature has made it so that these certain points in our body are so pleasurable that makes us want to have sex and make babies. But at a higher level, they're so pleasurable, it allows us to fully feel. I know for me as a man, it's really through my wife's love that allowed me to fully open my heart. It's literally women, in a sense, have many ways to feel love. They love their children. Not that a man doesn't, but she can go to her friends and feel that connection. For a man, it's his attraction to a woman that can be a primary source of opening his heart. And women don't realize that. And 
the funny thing about it is men don't realize that. It was, I'd say it wasn't until about the seventh year of my marriage where I realized that. And my wife pointed out to me, we we're making love. It was really great. And I said to her, wow, that was fantastic. That was as good as it was in the beginning. And she said, oh, it was much better. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? And she said, John, we've been married for seven years. You've seen the best of me and you've seen the worst of me and you still adore me. That's what makes sex really great. And in that moment, I had to reflect. In that moment, I realized, yes, this sex is like a doorway to feel this depth of love that I have for you that grows over time. And I think that's what everybody wants today is to experience love growing, kind of like a tree that continues to you know, put out the apples. You know, <laughs> It just gets bigger and bigger and more steady and more sturdy. And people often ask me, well, how do you keep the passion in the bedroom alive? Is It's really, you have to, that tree has to keep growing because if it's not growing, it tends to be dying. And one of the key players in bringing back the passion, sustaining the passion, the interest, the curiosity, the aliveness, the love, the nurturing motivation is to make sure that we're fulfilling our sexual needs in our private time. Mm-hmm. On our own. I want to talk about that in one second, but I just wanted to say, so my husband and I have been married for seven and a half years, and I absolutely agree. I feel like it gets better and better and better because we're getting to know each other even deeper, and we're going even deeper with our love and our relationship and everything, and we're both so committed to the growth individually and within our relationship. And I'm not sure if Nick told you before I jumped on, I was just in the bathroom and I'm not sure if he told you, but we both read your book whilst I was pregnant. I've just had a baby. We really wanted to be the best versions of ourselves when this little angel came earthside. And so what we did was we both read your book and we would read a chapter and then we would discuss that chapter together and we would implement everything that you spoke about. And I cannot tell you how helpful that has been for our marriage and for our sex life. So I want to thank you personally. But I want to talk to you about how do we keep the passion alive for someone who's been together for 10, 20, 30 years, who may have resided to the fact that, oh, we just don't make love anymore, or it's not that important. I hear that a lot. It's not that important. We know we've got kids and we've got other things. How can we keep that passion alive? And how can we still be making beautiful love 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the track? Well, I can say after 34 years of marriage with my wife, the sex got better and better. And and I speak in past tense because she passed on, but it was so beautiful. And I remember experiencing, I just, there were transitions. And I remember there was this time where it was a beautiful transition where I was just feeling, yes, you're mine. Now, people kind of go, what? Yeah, you can put it in terms of you're my wife, but the feeling was, yes, you're mine and I'm yours. We are one. There's that oneness that can start to happen, which is two different people in complete harmony. And just there's an ecstatic feeling. And keeping that alive is understanding how to support our polarity outside the bedroom and inside the bedroom. And polarity means that if you look at it biologically, Polarity is where a man's testosterone is much, much higher than a woman's, and a woman's estrogen is much, much higher than a man's. And you can see this biologically, that when a woman becomes fertile to get pregnant, her ovulation is when her estrogen levels will peak. 
And at that time, she finds men much more attractive. That's research has shown that. Her estrogen levels go up and they put a pheromone out in her body that raises a man's testosterone levels. A pheromone is a smell that her body produces. And a man has a little nose inside of his nose with one job to detect where are the pheromones. <laughs> and when those pheromones get higher, uh, blood flow just goes down south in a man. And the, it has a complementary effect they found in research, which is that when a man has surges of high testosterone, he will put out a smell that a woman's nose will pick up and will raise her estrogen. Because it's only at those times where he has higher surges of testosterone and she has higher surges of estrogen that you can make babies. Now, what's unique about women, as opposed to the animal part of all of us, is that women can have that time of the month where they get pregnant, but it's not the only time of the month where they can enjoy sex, which is you can stimulate higher levels of estrogen. And that's really, really wonderful, which means you can have not just sex once a month, but quite a bit. But having said that, and this is a practical thing, and we haven't really got into aspects of in the bedroom, but I want to make sure I cover this one point is you hit it on the nail. So many couples think, oh, it's more trouble than it's worth. Oh, I don't really care about that anymore. Or it's not such a big deal. Right now at seven years in your marriage, you know it's a big deal. And it's because it recharges you. It fills you up. And I just have to say in my own life, I have a, a concrete experience that making love with my wife, it infuses me back to this more loving person that I am and brings him out more and more into the world. And then as the days pass, it sort of settles down. You know, it's, it's almost as if the world draws that energy out of me, but it's renewed through this very intimate act with my wife. And what I meant by a few minutes ago of we have to nourish that alone time, not all by ourselves. That's also important, which is men need their cave time. Women need their connection with other people and their children and life and coaches and you know, their work. These are all places where a woman needs to find connection as opposed to depending just on the man. If you look to a man to fulfill your needs for estrogen, and estrogen is fulfilled through connection, loving connection, friendship connection, safe connection, connection where you feel that I can depend on someone for something, like a good friend who's got your back. But the man, because you can be so intimate with him, he will give you the highest surges of that estrogen if you feel safe in the relationship. And part of safety is to feel that I can be myself. I can take it all off. I can reveal myself. And a lot of that happens outside the bedroom, but inside the bedroom, that's where we take it all off. And we open our hearts to each other and that renews us and charges us up. So the dynamic here is people kind of go, oh, we don't really care about that because they've forgotten what it's like. They don't know, you know, they say, oh, that's just the beginning. You lose that. But life has other things. Life has, does have other things. They say the honeymoon period. Yeah, it's the honeymoon <laughs> period, but you can actually have it more. But there's a reality of the honeymoon period where you just jump in and have lots and lots of sex. Okay. <laughs> there's kind of a fusion that happens and then couples will have sex, but then it becomes less and less important, less and less fulfilling. And that's the key thing. So how do you keep that passion alive? Well, you have to have good communication outside the bedroom and you're good friends and you're supportive of each other. But inside the bedroom, there's something called management of sexual energy. And the management of sexual energy was the one thing I didn't talk about in my book, Mars, Venus in the Bedroom, because it's so controversial. A lot of the things we're talking about more is going to be in Mars, Venus in the Bedroom. 
But the controversial part of it, I couldn't talk about because we didn't have the science to back it up. So simply put, the science says this. If a man ejaculates on Saturday night with his wife, and then his testosterone will surge, they'll make love, it's wonderful. Then the next day, his testosterone levels go back down to what we'll call baseline. And it will stay at baseline for six days. But on the seventh day, if he doesn't ejaculate, on the seventh day, his testosterone levels will increase 50%. So his lovemaking will be like it was in the beginning when it was 50% higher. You see, in the newness of a relationship, there's so much dopamine. Dopamine is produced when there's newness, new challenges, also when there's danger, also when you take drugs. <laughs> so dopamine goes higher. And for men, typically, that will give them this surge of testosterone. And for women, it will give them a surge of estrogen. So sex is really exciting in the beginning because of, in a sense, the drug influence of newness. But newness wears away, and you don't get that anymore. Basically, it's familiar, it's routine, it's the same thing. And at that time, your testosterone levels for a man will go to baseline. Now, we do know also that a man's baseline experience in our modern world, for a variety of factors, around 35 it will start going down, down, down till when he's 50, it's half of what it was when he was a young man. These are averages. Now for me, mine is 50% higher, my baseline, than it was when I was in my 30s. And what's happening even to the younger generation is that males' testosterone levels at 20 years old are, I think it's around 25% lower than what it was 30 years ago. Why is that? Well, we'll get to it in a second. <laughs> but it's a good question to ask. It's a big question to ask, and a lot of answers to it, but what we know now is that men's testosterone levels go down. Now, part of the dance of testosterone going down, part of it is that estrogen and testosterone are like a seesaw. Inside of me as a man, when my estrogen goes high, because I feel love, I feel like oh, I can depend on you, the world might be attacking me, but I can come home to my sweetheart, and she's going to give me a hug and think I'm wonderful. So I depend on you for love and that support, that unconditional support that sometimes we feel. Now that raises my estrogen, but when the estrogen goes way up, it tends to lower my testosterone. They're kind of like opposite forces and a seesaw that has to be balanced. That's why men need that cave time is that they want to get close to their wives or their children. Their estrogen will go up. Their testosterone will start going down. Then they need to pull away for independent time, independence. When you're all on your own, that increases testosterone. And for men, that's highly significant, very, very important. It's also important for women to some extent, but not as much as it is for men. That's the idea here is that we're really very much alike, except that hormonally we have different needs. So a man could be stressed at work, he needs his cave time, or a man could just be spending a lot of time with his wife and kids, and that will lower his testosterone, and he'll need to pull away. But in today's world, he go, oh, how could you do that? You know, you should always be emotionally present for your partner and so forth. So a lot of men don't feel comfortable because women don't understand that he sometimes needs to pull away in order to spring back with a lot of testosterone. I had this sort of built in my marriage. One benefit was that I traveled a lot. So I'd be gone for three days and I come back having been independent, doing my own and come back like Superman and want to make love with my wife. Now, she didn't always want to make love with me right away because she felt ignored and left out until she got that this is what John needs, so she didn't take it personally. But also, I'd make sure that I called her on the phone and I'd let her know what was going on, so she felt some connection while I was away. 
And then we would come and we would reconnect. But those were the younger years. We had lots of sex. And like many couples in the beginning, you have lots of sex. And then it goes down. Well, now we can see that just in terms of global studies of the averages. Remember, we're not, we're not want to be average people. We, want, we don't want an average relationship. We want to go higher. But in terms of averages, a single man will tend to have the highest testosterone. When he gets in a committed relationship, it takes down a notch. When he gets married, it takes down a notch. When his wife has a baby, it goes down a notch. When he has children, it goes down a notch. And so that's one of the reasons testosterone goes down over time is that men become more loving. They have more wisdom. They're more easygoing. You know, they don't have to realize I don't have to do it all myself. I have a partnership. So that's the good side of it. But the not good side of it is testosterone goes down if outside the bedroom, they don't have a relationship that promotes the communication skills that tell him he's a successful guy and providing for you what you need. And for a man, there's nothing more that tells him he's done what he needs to do than once a week, ring that bell of having his testosterone levels go 50% higher. And what I have experienced in my life, the long-term research on the thing I'm about to say, but if you keep ringing that bell every week, you will sustain the passion in a relationship. What we do know scientifically is that at a certain point, when sex starts to lose some of its thrill and excitement, that's when you want to look at this study that shows that if a man ejaculates more than once a week, he'll never hit his 50% above the threshold. And that's great sex. So the secret of great sex is that it's either the newness of the relationship, or let's say it was anniversary, so you went to some spa and you went on a vacation and there was newness around you. Okay, that's standard sex therapy, which is go do something new and different, and that will give a surge to testosterone. But actually, for 30, 40, 50 years, basically, you want to have this great sex drive, high libido if you're a man, which will help her estrogen levels stay higher. Even though when she goes through menopause, there's a natural drop in her estrogen. It doesn't keep her from enjoying great sex. That's again, my wife was through menopause and everything. She just needed to get more foreplay. And foreplay is non-sexual touch. And that's what men have to understand is that women need plenty of non-sexual touch to raise their estrogen levels up to where they're kind of their baseline. Then that same non-sexual touch becomes sexual (laughs) because their estrogen levels are going higher. I read in your book that you said women need 20 non-sexual touches per day. And I was telling my husband that and he's like, oh, I definitely need to up my game there. Yeah. And it's when you think about, okay, it's just a, it's a stroke of affection. It's a noticing her hair. Oh, you got your hair done. Oh, it's, you look great tonight. Those shoes match your belt. You know, these are, (laughs) these are not natural things for men, but when you can do that, it says to her, I'm seen, I'm heard, I'm safe. I'm a part of his life. It's very basic. It's very simple. It's not rocket science. Like, yeah, that stroke of the hair or that tiny comment, it makes such a difference to us. It does. Men do not realize how the little things are just as significant as the big things. And you can't do the big things 20 times a day. You can't even do the big things, but once or twice a month at the most. You can do 20 little things every day. And it's those little things that say she's still part of your life. You see her, you hear her. So when she's talking, often men will be thinking about what you're saying as opposed to giving a little nod, nod of the head, uh-huh, mm-hmm. 
and then she'll pause and then it's make it's good to make a comment, something to do with what she just said about. She could be saying, oh, but I was talking with the kids and they thought this. And I said, yeah, I agree with you on that or something. You know, it has to be some sort of connection. It doesn't have to be a lot just to let her know that he's thinking about what she just said. Because often if you say something a little provocative that causes him to try to understand you better, he'll disconnect from his emotional side to think about it. And when he disconnects to think about it, a woman goes, where'd he go? You probably had that experience, you know, where you're having a conversation. It's like the connection is gone and that will cause a panic inside of your limbic system in your brain. (laughs) And what just happened? That's a stress response. And while he can try to be the best he can be, what she can do at that time is try to understand men. And here's something my daughter Lauren teaches in one of her classes for women at MarsVenus.com, which is our most popular class. And it's where a woman will say to a guy, when he pulls away, you just notice him and you go, oh, you're thinking about that, aren't you? And he'll say, yes. As soon as he says yes, you feel connected to him again. And you might have to do that many, many times. And the other side of that, if you don't have that little technique, you might say, oh, you're not listening to me. And if you say, oh, you're not listening to me, it makes no sense to him at all. And you're affirming that there's a disconnection. There's kind of a judgment that goes along with it. So it's just simply these little awakenings for men to understand the little things that make such a difference. And for women to realize little phrases and little ways of interacting with men can make all the difference. But we did want to focus on sex. So I want to say a few other things about sex and our time together. I talk about in the book, Mars, Venus in the Bedroom, various types of sex. Okay, there's healthy home-cooked sex. And again, I'm just saying possibilities. I never want to, it's our own intimate life. Everybody's a little different and so forth. But let me throw some things out there that broaden people's awareness. There's generally healthy home-cooked sex. And we'll talk about that first. Healthy home-cooked sex is making sure that her needs are completely fulfilled in the bedroom. And the way you do that is to warm her up. And sometimes the way you warm her up is by not actually focusing on her, but letting her focus on he. See, women all day long tend to be looking at their kids, looking at everybody. They're in a a momentum of giving and giving and giving and not giving to themselves. It's hard for her to shift from giving to everybody and back to herself. So this is going to be called polarity sex. It's understanding there's this polarity inside of men and women where there's a giving side of us and a receiving side of us. And ironically, the giving side of us is our male side. The receiving side is our female side. And women, when they're stressed and overwhelmed, they're usually feeling I'm giving and giving and I'm not getting back. So if you're in that, we'll call that state of imbalance, we'll start out that way. So you're lying in bed and you know, he's giving to you certainly, but you can feel that in a man, he's hungry. You know, he's like wanting to connect. I want to experience you and be close to you. Ironically, while that he's attending to you, he's actually getting turned on himself and he's focusing on how, what feels good to him. So we go with that. You know, a lot of women say, oh, I have sex with my husband, but he's just enjoying it. I'm not really into it that much because she's in the giving mode of I'll be his wife. I'll give to him. He's enjoying it. And, and he's into the taking mode. And that's okay, because see, that's what men are doing all day. We're fighting battles to earn money to get, to get, to get. We're out there thinking of ourselves. You have, you know, when you're in battle, you have to think about yourself. You can't just give it all away. So start where you are, which is step one is you're kissing and you're touching. And you may not be fully into it as a woman, but he's giving you lots of touch and affection and cuddling and closeness. That's good. But that's step one. 
and then he's getting all excited. That's usually where he wants to start intercourse. At that point, what he does is he goes from step one to step two, and you start all over. This time, he puts his need for intercourse or orgasm on the shelf temporarily, and now we focus just on her. So you can have a little signal like he puts her arms back or they can have a little phrase they say or now just for you. So what happens at that time is she's been giving and giving and giving. It's easier for her now to just go, oh, I've given so much I can now receive because the orgasmic response happens in a woman as she's able to receive without thinking about giving. Okay, And that's hard for women, see, particularly when you're giving all the time. So it's like step one is let's just do kind of the normal sex. We're both enjoying it, but really he's enjoying it more. When he sees that he's close to ejaculation or intercourse, then he pulls back and he says, look, I can do that anytime. I'm already there. So put it on the shelf. And step two is start over. Starting over is now giving her a sexual massage because see, she's going to be building up her arousal at this time. And now she can relax and receive. And so in step two, you're going to start stimulating her and there's nine zones in stimulation. We're not going to go into all of them, but basically kissing. So many couples stop kissing over time because men go, why bother kissing when we can do the real stuff? So this is where you have to start over with kissing and some verbal expressions of I love you, you're beautiful, and touching around the ears, maybe a little blowing in the ear for some women, just licking around the ears, behind the ears, all the essential touching her hair. Forget, always remember, touch your head time to time her shoulders, you're wanting to bring her awareness to her body because the woman's body is so pleasurable for her to have somebody touching her and to know that as a man, just to touch her and stroke around her and then gradually circle around on the breast. The the idea here is indirectness. You know, men want to get right in there. So the opposite of that now (laughs) is indirectness where you're building up an awareness in her of her different erogenous zones. And for many women and most women, the breasts are key. And the key aspect to the breast is the nipples is to circle the nipples until they seem to have some response, be indirect until you're getting more engorgement. At that point, touching the nipples can be very, very pleasurable for her. If they're not engorged, it's not that pleasurable. (laughs) So just, you have to be attentive, men. So as that's there is to realize that one of the key hormones that allows a woman's estrogen levels to go up, that's only she can have orgasm when, when the estrogen levels are doubling, basically. They're already supposed to be at baseline for her 10 times more than a man's. And now it's got to double that. And that will take her to higher levels. And the key hormone that helps estrogen go up is another hormone called oxytocin. Oxytocin, we know, will help lower stress in women. It's non-sexual touch. But once you get to that sexual place in your touch, there's some foreplay and affection in step one. Now you're moving to step two, part two. The sucking on the nipples is highly biologically stimulates oxytocin. A baby will suck on the nipples and that will produce the oxytocin for the milk to flow. But when her estrogen levels go so high during sex and a sexual experience, sucking on the nipples gives her body a flood of oxytocin, which then allows the estrogen levels to peak. And then it's that oxytocin again that has been rising that allows her to have the climax. So it's a combination of oxytocin and estrogen. And the key thing to stimulate estrogen is oxytocin and sucking on nipples. In terms of birthing, oxytocin helps the contractions. Sometimes sucking on her nipples at that time will help her to have more successful contractions. So during the birthing process, 
But this is like very, very important at the timing of all of this is important. And then you move, you move down the body and you're touching and always a lot of wandering around, helping her to become aware of different parts of her body because it's all pleasurable now and allowing the feeling of pleasure and her enjoyment allows her to feel her love for you more. Then you get to the clitoris. Now touching the clitoris, you basically, you want to make sure that there's some secretions from the vagina where you use a finger and you can bring that up to touch her clitoris. If there is not that, sometimes there's hormonal imbalances inside of a woman, so she's not not going to produce that, then you would lose lubrication at that time or your saliva. You've been kissing her with your mouth and so forth. Oh, I forgot about with the kissing part of it. There's a signal that a woman can give, and this is from France. It's also from the ancient Asian techniques. Is that there's a natural thrusting of the tongue. It's a thrusting feeling that a woman has as her estrogen levels go up. And I'm just saying this because it happens to give women permission that this is good, is to thrust her tongue into his mouth. That's called French kissing. But that's natural instinct to do that, not to do it if it's not happening, but the instinct to do that is comes from the surging of testosterone now. As her body goes really high on estrogen, then her body will start producing testosterone. And that's where she starts feeling strong desire. And that's what we want is to help her feel that strong desire for me. I like this. I want this. I enjoy this. This feels so good for me, as opposed to another part of us, which is I feel good because I'm making you happy. It's I feel good. You're making me happy. I like this. And there's a place of surrendering, of allowing someone to give you pleasure that opens your heart up even more. And that's a place that, you know, you want to allow yourself to go to, in a sense, the pure yin energy, the feminine energy of surrender. And that increases in a woman as a man experiences a kind of oneness and detachment. He's no longer enjoying what you're doing for him. He's enjoying more what he's doing for you. And now that's the right yin-yang balance that allows you to go to ecstasy. Is greater and greater freedom that he has from his own lustful desire for me to release, but to provide you the support for you to increase, increase, increase. So stimulating the clitoris, if a woman is, is on her masculine side during the day, it could take 15 minutes before her arousal starts rising to a high level. What happens is couples really start working at it. And I, I recommend not working at it, enjoying it, giving it time, not in a hurry. Often men think, oh, we got to get to the orgasm. And that puts a pressure on a woman to go, okay, I've got to have that orgasm as opposed to just enjoying the stimulation and the touching. But what can happen if you're not trying to have an orgasm is you start having big waves of pleasure, waves of pleasure and sounds are coming out. And you're feeling uninhibited and loving it, enjoying it. And then at a certain point, the penis, well, we have to realize that little point is the clitoris, but the whole vulva, the vulva is all the lips around the vagina and so forth. All of that is also erogenous material. And he can take his penis at this point. He can also use the tip of his penis to stimulate her clitoris and go around the vagina. All that whole area is very erogenous area of more and more pleasure. And then, then eventually go into the vagina and again, this is just ideas, not that we're following the same routine every time, but no, there's possibilities here, guys. And then what you do is you want to tease her, uh, just like for a man is teased when a woman is uh, showing a little cleavage and you go, oh, what was that? 
or when she's wearing a slit on her dress or the fact that she wears dresses, you know, you kind of go, what was that under there? When you see the girls twirling around and their dresses sort of flow up, you get a glimpse, you know, it was, I think in one of the Greek legends or something, it was one of the goddesses, you know, she would spread her legs and create wearing a dress and a man would get a glimpse and it would be enlightenment. You know, (laughs) there's that too much of a good thing is not a good thing, but it's that little glimpse is that peak. So what that's called seducing. Now, what you want to do as a man is seduce her because once she's warmed up down there, the vagina, you never give it too much. So you, you go in like an inch and you just start having intercourse, just doing an inch and then gradually go a little deeper and then come back to an inch and then go a little deeper and come back to the inch. And she might want more. And you just go, <laughs> yes, coming. <laughs> you want to tease her a little bit. So sure. The idea for a man in sex is to release the desire. We already have the desire. But for women, it's building up desire. See, that's passion, is building up her desire. And then men experience this kind of freedom from attachment to the outcome. That's sort of the enlightenment for men is the detachment of freedom from outcome. For a woman is to be able to attach to the pleasure and enjoy. And so he's providing, he's also going to feel more and more love as he connects with her feeling uninhibited, feeling open, surrendering to him. That's pure feminine energy, which is allowing and enjoying. Then you go about an inch and a half to two inches inside, and that's her G-spot. And that's another spot to stay around that area for a while. And your penis at that point is about halfway in, okay, maybe a little bit further. And be there for quite a while. She can have an, an orgasm, but it doesn't end. If he's still erect and his energy is still there, then you go deeper. One of the reasons men will ejaculate right away or very soon is they just sort of go all the way in. <laughs> and she's not able to receive that energy all the way in. And so his energy can't flowly free flow into her. So there's a tension that builds up and he ejaculates to release the tension. So the whole thing is if you're a monkey having sex, it's just get it in and get it done. If you're if you love your wife, <laughs> you want to slowly get it in, you know, slowly build up, enjoy the pleasure of it. And for a man to keep focusing on the pleasure is helping me to feel. And what am I looking to feel is how much I love her. And that's the purpose of it is to feel the love that you have for your partner, to reconnect with that love. And we don't really realize all the time that love is a feeling that we have to generate. We aren't always just going to have it. There has to be certain conditions that arise for the hormones to go into this very, very beautiful, higher than normal state of balance. Because as he's tending to her, his estrogen levels are going higher. But because he is not thinking about himself, but he's primarily giving to her, there's sort of a selflessness. That selflessness is one of the most powerful testosterone stimulators there is. So he's able to remain hard and erect as she's able to soften and soften and soften and at the same time experience a longing and a desire to experience release at some point. So that's a description of some of the different points. And one that I forgot, which is easy to be forgotten, even I forgot talking about, is when you're just starting to get undressed and enjoying each other and sometimes taking each other's clothes off is really a beautiful thing, you know, just to have her take off his clothes, you know, for he to take off her clothes. And it doesn't have to be this rush. It can be, you know, there's room for everything in sex, but it's really very arousing. And to to notice the first stage of arousal is breathing. Now, if you take these courses on Tantra and various things, I used to teach them, there was like, I could practice breathing together. And those people all, and I did too, missed the whole boat. The idea is that arousal changes your breathing automatically. 
So you're allowing your consciousness to guide your body doing this automatic thing, this arousal that we have no control over. So now what you're doing is allowing yourself in a sense to witness and enjoy the spontaneous breath. And that takes awareness. Just it feels so good to start opening up and being with the one you love and just noticing the breath, how it's changing, which then opens up the mouth and then the kissing and the touching and the tongue interaction and then the touching of the whole body and the moving around and then the breasts, the clitoris, vagina. And if you take enough time in the intercourse part because you went slow and getting in and so forth, she's able to fully receive you and then she will come to touch you. Her cervix will actually come down to touch the tip of your penis. And that then then becomes orgasmic for at that point. Not that it can't be orgasmic. And what I mean by orgasmic is waves of, of pleasure, waves of pleasure, uh, and lots of sounds and enjoyment and movement. And orgasm itself is usually, it's over. <laughs> so what do you want it to be over for? You know, let's take time to enjoy this thing. And so those are some helpful tips when it comes to the bedroom and I hope I implied in there, man, it could take sometimes 15 minutes of stimulation of the clitoris before her vagina actually starts releasing water. When it's releasing water, that's when her body says, I want your penis, I can receive your penis. And if it's not putting, producing water, you can always use lubrication, but usually that's because you're rushing it. And it could be that you need, in order to actually get her to, her body to open up to her sexual feelings, is you might need to practice just a different kind of sex for a while, which is not taking her to the place of orgasm, but just doing sensual sex for a while and where he doesn't have an ejaculation. And that's another, another sexual therapy technique where you do step one, which is he gets all excited, sort of gets that out of the way and puts his orgasm, potential orgasm on the shelf. And now he gives her a whole sexual massage, touching her body even slower than these things, hoping to open her up so that sexually her vagina will start producing water. Just like when you're kissing, your body will start producing more saliva in the mouth. And the thought of actually getting close to her vagina until the mouth is producing lots of liquids, <laughs> it's backwards. You see, it's just like, you know, nature actually gave, gave women one mouth, a lip, set of lips, but the vagina has two sets of lips around it and touching them and kissing them is all so very special. So there's so many things to do in the bedroom, but it becomes very sort of simple of he gets excited. Now she's becoming more and more excited, giving to him, and then she can relax and receive more. And then once she has an orgasm, one final thought here is that there's a wonderful book called She Comes First. And just the title, it comes from my book, actually. But the idea there is you want to make sure that always when it comes to climax and orgasm, that the man does not ejaculate his orgasm before she has an orgasm. That will just deplete her desire for sex over time because here she's starting to open up and then he's done. So why bother open up is what the body says. It's a conditioned response. And so over time, I'll have to mention that as well, I sort of analyzed this and I wondered why did my sex drive increase over time? First of all, I never would ejaculate be a few exceptions, but I would never ejaculate until I gave her an orgasm. And if she wasn't in the mood for an orgasm, I'd say, look, just let me know. It's okay. She says, I'm finished, done. Because not to ejaculate, because if I have a peak of pleasure and she doesn't join me in that, then the sex was about him and not her. And so her yin energy, her receptive energy goes down and there's a conditioned response. 
And every time a man ejaculates, there always is going to be a tendency for him to pull, go back down to baseline. And so a woman opens up and a man pulls away. What kind of conditioned response is that? So naturally, over time, her body's going to go, why bother opening up if every time I open up, he pulls away? So that's a conditioned response. And a man's body becomes, every time I get excited with her, my testosterone goes down later. That's a conditioned response. Whereas a man can have no interest in his wife, it's a conditioned response. But with a stranger, somebody new and different, he has a response. So part of that is this conditioned response that's inevitable unless we practice sexual energy management, which I mentioned before, which is that you go for six days without ejaculating. If you're a man, on the seventh day, your testosterone levels will go 50% higher when you make love, and that produces counter-conditioning. Her body goes, oh, that guy that went away came back with more goods. So there's a counter-conditioning with that. And so her body opens up to being safe and trusting that he'll be back. And that's very important because if you just, what I'm getting at men is if you're masturbating during the week or you're so, you know, you're sort of wanting to fulfill everybody's expectations that a man should have sex twice a week. Actually, the men who have sex once a week have sex their whole lives. Whereas the, the ones who do it twice a week or do it alone or do it with a computer or whatever, they're going to go down over time and they're the ones that are going to lose interest. The passion's gone because they had too much sex. So in a sense, summing it up, too much of a good thing is not always a good thing. But I would never limit myself to that if I was on a vacation or doing something special or whatever. Certainly you have those times when you have a bedroom and that's always great to re- replenish that higher level of connection. Because for women, if you take her to a hotel room or somewhere where she's not having to clean that room, he's not having to change the sheets, she doesn't have to worry about the kids. She you know, a lot of these things that are going on in a woman's mind keeps her from being in her body. So you take her somewhere where somebody's going to cook, somebody's going to wash the dishes, somebody's taking care of her, somebody's cleaning the room, somebody's going to clean it up afterwards. You know, all of that, she's free from that. And she's able to now start focusing on her body. And men generally don't have an awareness of that because once arousal starts, we forget everything. (laughs) But sometimes we forget her and what she needs. So this is why it's good to have some reminding. And I'll just finish up. You were, you know, talking so beautifully about how you and your husband would read chapters of Men Are From Mars and talk about it and apply some of the ideas. The same thing I wrote the book Mars Venus in the Bedroom for couples to read one chapter a night, <laughs> once a week. <laughs> so so that it's really, you know, we talked about how it's hard to communicate directly. And certainly there's more I talk about on that in the book. But just reading a book together can be little sounds. Ooh, that sounds good. Or, oh, I like that. You know, just little things like that and helps your partner to receive something while you're not all excited when it comes to sex. Cause that's when our tender feelings are up the most and it's kind of hard to communicate. And I'd say one other thing I've learned since I wrote that book that I didn't emphasize enough in that book is verbal communication during sex. I might've even said, you know, Women don't talk too much because it causes men to go back into their head and the blood flow stops to their penis. <laughs> but And certainly you don't want to talk about anything that's too intellectual. But using words besides sounds is really, really wonderful, particularly for the man to say things like, I love you. You're the one for me. You're the only one for me. You sweetheart of my life, you know, poetic kind of expressions. And it can just be, I love you so much. You're so beautiful. Also, I need you. I need your love. You're special. You're important. 
these simple little phrases can be very, very helpful to help give a woman the reassurance that she's not alone, that somebody is there. Because remember, the key factor for sexual fulfillment is inclusion. We're literally connecting to each other. She's being filled up with him. She's pulling him in. And you don't want to just pull anything in. You want to bring in that which loves you. Because when you are so vulnerable, you have very few defenses against negative messages. So it has to be all pure and positive. And those words can make a big, big difference at that time. Mm, beautiful. Something, again, so simple, just like you're so beautiful, can make such a difference. Such a difference. And, and men don't realize that. And also, to be sort of straightforward here, most men, not all, are very quiet during sex. <laughs> you know, they don't say anything. And it's part of it is that the, uh, make the part of the brain that controls sex is not really connected to the communication centers in the front part of the brain. So saying a few phrases while you're aroused and excited can actually start growing the wiring. So as he gets the higher levels of passion, he can also stay in the prefrontal cortex of his brain, which gives him more sense of presence and the ability to last longer and feel more love. So this is like really key factors there. But, you know, when I talk about skills and performance, we have to remember it's not so much the goal of achieving the orgasm as the goal of feeling more love. And that's the key with this. And yet there are skills that we need to hone over time. Absolutely. John, this has been so amazing. I cannot thank you enough for your work. It has changed my relationship with my husband. Both of those books have been a game changer for us. And there's no mistake that your episode is the most downloaded of my entire podcast. Like people want to be better in their relationships and they want more love and they want more intimacy shown by the downloads. So thank you for all of the work that you do in the world. And thank you for helping me take my marriage to the next level. I'm so grateful and I highly recommend everyone dive into your work. Thank you again. And I would just, and to remind everybody, you know, you can hear little, little talks by me. They're free at marsvenus.com. And they're well-produced, they're to the point, they're always practical, there are a lot of tips there. My daughter, Lauren, you know, she's in an amazing relationship for 10 years. She edits me now. She She's my director. <laughs> she said, Dad, you can't talk so much, gotta stay on the point here. So she really organizes our websites. It's a, it's a work of art. I invite people to come for free. And also, if you like her messages, to check out her online course called How to Get Your Me Time because that's one of the key things is for women to make sure they're they're not depending on the man for all their estrogen, but his job is to make her happier. Her job is to be happy, and there's a lot to that. I love that, and we'll link to that in the show notes and all of your amazing work and your website as well. So keep doing your incredible work, and same with Lauren, your daughter, and thank you so much for everything that you share and you're such a beautiful person, and I'm so grateful that we've been able to connect and have you back on again. Thank you again. Don't forget to head to comparisonitis.com to get your copy of my latest book and all the free goodies that go with it. I cannot wait for you to read it and to hear what you think. I hope you got so much out of this episode. I sure did. And I'm excited for you to take your relationship to the next level. So, Grab John's books, read them, implement, and let me know how you go. I'd love to hear from you over on Instagram. I am at Melissa Ambrosini. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here. 
for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. And because you're here, it shows me that you want to be better in your relationship. So I honor you and I see you. And now if there's someone in your life, maybe your partner, that you think could really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. Or you can sit down and listen to this episode together. And if you want to share it with your friends, please take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.